You have to put a skull up there. There's a reason I've done that. How many times don't we get so used to something that we don't see it anymore? I've been living next to Wanganui River for, I don't know, just over a year. And there's some days I go past and I don't see it anymore. And it's right outside my door. And isn't it also true that if we get so used to something that we take it for granted? And when you take that thing away, you suddenly realize how much you, how much you miss it. For instance, if you couldn't have your vehicle, how would life change for you? That's just your vehicle. You'd have to walk everywhere. You'd have to get up real early today, even though you have an hour later, and you'd have to come and start walking. But you really appreciate what you've got once you don't have it anymore. Take your car for a service and find out. What about your spouse, if you're married? Don't we take each other for granted very quickly? But let one of us get sick and you can't do what you usually do and husbands, suddenly you find out everything your wife does. And so when we look at the resurrection this morning, I want us to just come from a little different angle. What if Christ didn't rise from the dead? And if we can appreciate the what ifs of that, we'll really appreciate what He has done for us. So picture it, early morning in Jerusalem. Mary comes to the tomb. The soldiers roll the stone away. Mary goes into the tomb and there lies the body of Jesus. The musty smell of a tomb. He's dead. What if Christ had not been raised? Would it have made a difference? You see, Christianity makes a unique claim. It speaks about bodily resurrection. Easter's a unique feature of Christianity, and I use the term Easter collectively now. And this is not because more Christians and others go to church during this time of the year, but because Easter celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and the claims that its founder is living today. No other religion in the world makes such a startling claim. Not one. Other religions may claim that the spirit of their founder lives on today in his religious teachings or her religious teachings, but Christianity claims that its founder, Jesus Christ, lives today bodily, even though he died. Biblical Christianity teaches that Jesus Christ really died, but then rose again physically, not just spiritually, from the grave. And I'm going to harp on that today. Because that is where Christianity is under attack. There are those outside the church and inside the church who will say, yes, we understand that Christ rose. It's a good spiritual lesson. But He didn't really rise physically. Does it make a difference? 
You see, Christianity teaches that Jesus Christ died but then rose physically from the grave and He presented Himself alive to many different people on different occasions over a period of 40 days before He ascended again to heaven. And it further teaches that after these undeniable physical appearances, Jesus Christ bodily left this earth and promised to return physically again someday. You'll hear certain stress here on bodily, physically. Although we Christians know and experience the spiritual presence of our living Lord Jesus now, we look forward to His physical return. It's not just an idea. He will return. True Christian faith holds that Jesus was resurrected from the dead bodily. He ascended into heaven bodily. He lives today in glory in a body and will someday return to this earth bodily. Do you get that point? You see, the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the keystone of the Christian faith. Take away the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and we have nothing. You've taken away the whole key. Christianity stands or falls at this point. In other words, Christianity is ultimately based not only on ethical and religious teaching, and some would say that that's all we have, ethical and good teachings, as other world religions have, but it is based on a historical event. The foundation of our faith is not just what Jesus taught, but what He actually did in history. And He did this to back up His claims. You see, any self-styled religious leaders today can proclaim certain ethical and noble teachings. Some of them might even dare to say, I am the Good Shepherd. They can say it. Some might even dare to say, I lay down my life for my sheep. They can say it. Those are words. But who can continue these things and actually die? Some have. They've died for a good cause. But that's not where Christianity stops. Jesus said, I will die, but I will live again. Now try copying that one. He said, I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. What a claim! And the ethical teachings of Jesus are inseparable from His claims about Himself over His power over death. He said He had power over death and then He proved it. And if Jesus did not rise bodily from the dead, then He was a deceiver, not even a good man. And if he did so, then Christianity is a fraud and a farce, what many accuse us of being. And if so, then Christians are just playing around at religious games. And I'm sorry you caught up in it. And such radical statements are exactly what Scripture teaches as the logical conclusions, if indeed the resurrection of Christ did not take place. Where does this all come from? 1 Corinthians, and I want you to turn there with me. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 to 20. We're going to read this passage. Now, just a bit of background on this one. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 to 20. The Christians in the church at Corinth believed that Jesus had risen again. But what they couldn't grasp was that they too would rise again one day. And what they were really concerned was that those Christians who had already died and had passed on would not rise again. So in other words, what they were saying was, yes, it's good, we understand. Jesus rose again. It's a great concept. Some of us even saw him. But, will we rise again? That's a bit far-fetched. Really? Come on, face reality. People die all around us every day. Will we die and then rise again? Be real. There are many today who have that same problem. You might be one of those. You know what Christianity teaches, you know what the Bible teaches, but you say, really? Get real, you Christians. See, they had no problem with the whole idea that the Spirit would carry on living in some other world because Greek philosophy taught that. But the resurrection of the body, that's a bit of a mind blower. And so what Paul does is he directs the attention of these believers to the resurrection of Christ. And he uses the type of reverse logic, which we're going to try as well today. Because Scripture puts it right here in front of us. So let's look at what he says. Chapter 15, and we're going to read from verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So if it hasn't happened, then how can Christ have been raised? And if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. Now you have to stick with Paul a bit. He writes like this. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, we'll get to that one, in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to, to be destroyed is death. And he carries on his argument. So what are these logical conclusions we must come to if Christ was not risen from the dead? Verse 14 to 19, and that's the passage I'll be um, concentrating on this morning, 
these are valid arguments that he raises. If Christ hasn't been raised. And these are valid arguments that the world also throws at us because they don't believe that he was resurrected from the dead. And so they must come to these conclusions. What are these con- con- conclusions? Firstly, verse 14. If Christ is not risen, our preaching is in vain. I'm sorry to say, if Christ was not risen, you're wasting your time right here. If Christ is not risen, there's no reality behind the nice sounding words. If Christ was not risen, what authority do we have for even preaching things like love your neighbour as yourself, let alone the resurrection? You see, if Christ is still dead, we have become humanistic teachers with no higher authority than what the majority of the people in our culture feel is right. And that is totally subjective and relative. If Jesus is not living today, the message of the Bible is without authority and it's hollow. And our preaching is empty. We might as well put the Bible next to books like Gone with the Wind. We might as well put it on our shelves next to the wind in the willows. It has the same effect. If Christ hasn't risen. Secondly, if Christ has not risen, our faith is empty. There is no foundation for our Christian faith if the resurrection is a hoax. And putting our destiny on the teachings and claims of a man who is dead is nothing more than wishful thinking. And that's what other religions do. What guarantee do we then have that there is any hope behind the grave if the one who claimed that he could conquer death is really dead himself? It's just words. Elephants might fly. The Christian faith is based on the teachings of a dead Christ. And that's like having a beautiful castle built in thin air. Same thing. Thirdly, if Christ is not risen, and please track with me, I'm saying not. If Christ is not risen, then you and I are false witnesses of God. We are not just deluded religious fanatics who are playing church. We are downright liars. You see, of course, if God doesn't really exist, then it doesn't matter much if we're liars since there would be no absolute standards anyway. However, if God does exist and He did not raise Christ from the dead, track with me now, then we are, we are preaching a distorted truth and we are therefore false witnesses. We're misrepresenting God. The remains of Jesus Christ must be somewhere in Israel then. And that is what we must include if there is no physical resurrection from the dead. If you don't believe He rose again, then go and search in the country of Israel and look for His bones. Look for the remains. They must be there. That's the logical conclusion. Fourthly, if Christ is not risen, our faith is worthless and we are still in our sins. And this is the one that makes me shudder. Not only is our faith without foundation, it's useless. What good is our faith if Christ hasn't risen? Can it give us salvation? No. If He hasn't risen, what hope do I have? 
If I have a hope in the one who's claimed that he could take away sins, but he's still in a tomb in Jerusalem, then what hope do I have? If payment for wrongdoing has not been made, then there can be no forgiving and forgetting of sins in the moral universe. If the one in whom we have placed our faith as Saviour never really triumphed over death, then what proof do we have that the debt for our sins has been paid? Without the resurrection, the death penalty for our sin remains. All who have sinned before God are guilty. It remains. And we are still held liable for our wrongdoings by God. We are still in our sins. We are guilty. If there is no resurrection, then there is no redemption and no reconciliation with God. Are you starting to feel sad? Are you starting to feel disillusioned? Good. If he didn't rise from the dead. Fifthly, if Christ is not risen, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, says the Apostle. Those who have already died. Your nana that loved the Lord Jesus, she's dead. Done, dusted. Your mother and father who taught you about Jesus Christ and brought you to the faith, doesn't matter. They're gone. They're dust. They've come, as the apostle says, they have perished. And the word perished is they have come to loss. They've come to ruin. It's all over. If Easter is a sham, then Christians who have died are lost forever. There will be no awakening from the grave. The familiar Christian epitaph you see, often see on tombstones, asleep in Jesus, is just a euphemism then for gone forever. As I see on other tombstones. And lastly, sixthly, if Christ is not risen, then we, then we have hope in Christ only for this life. And then we are to be pitied more than all men, says the Apostle. You see, that's the logical conclusion. If we've only got faith in Christ for this life, then everything that we've sacrificed, surrendered, suffered, laboured for and hoped for is nothing but an illusion. And you might have held to your Christian principles your whole life long against your family's wishes, but if Christ hasn't risen, then you've been a fool. And all we are then is superstitious fools living in a dream world. If Jesus is not alive today, then this fantasy may give us peace of mind and it may give us hope in this life, but so what? So do other things. Why all the sweat and tears if it's all just a delusion? As far as the Apostle Paul was concerned, if there's no resurrection, the more logical lifestyle would be to live it up and to do your own thing. Then that's exactly what he says. And that's why the world lives to this little epitaph. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. I've seen that on gravestones too. And it's because there is no basis of belief. There is no belief in the resurrection. And that's the logical conclusion. If there's no resurrection, if there is no Christ, if there is no hope, then this is all I've got. I better live it up. And they do. And you might be one of them. You see, without the resurrection, dead Christians have died and they are ruined. And living Christians are to be pitied.
But, and I couldn't wait to get here. But, it doesn't end there. Look at verse 20. But in fact, says Paul, Christ has been risen from the dead. That's the glorious truth this morning, you see. What a glorious fact. All these previous deductions are swept away in the reality that He has been raised again from the dead. He is alive. And so all these other things are untrue. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the proof and the power of Jesus Christ, of Christianity. Jesus lives. And therefore we can preach with authority because we have the authority of truth. It is based on what He did. He rose again. Jesus lives. And therefore our faith has a foundation. We have a living foundation. Jesus lives. And therefore we are living witnesses of a living Lord. Other religions can just speak of their leader who is now dead. There is no living Lord there. Jesus lives. The, the empty tomb is the guarantee of the Christian's hope. Because Jesus' tomb is empty, He rose from the dead. I will rise from the dead. You will rise from the dead if you are in Christ. Because that tomb is empty. Because Jesus lives. Our faith is a treasure. And it's to be treasured above all other riches. It's an everlasting treasure. Because He lives. Because He lives. Instead of pitying us, the world is to encounter you and I through the living Jesus who lives through our lives and through our living witness about Him. Do you see the difference the living Jesus makes? Because He lives. The question lies before you today. Will you encounter the living Jesus this Easter? And when you encounter Him, what will you do with Him? Will you turn from the living Jesus? Or will you bow before the living Jesus? There's only one of those two that we as human beings can do. You either turn your back on the living Lord or you bow the knee to Him. What is it? It's one of those two. And this is the reality of what He says. What will you do with the living Jesus Christ? Will you turn your back on Him once more and walk out these doors and face eternity on your own but standing in front of living God? Or will you bow the knee to the living Lord today and as a believer face eternity with and through Jesus Christ? I know what I'd rather do. Jesus lives. The living Jesus will return bodily. He's my guarantee. I will see Him with my own eyes. Think of that statement. Job said so. I'm going to read you what Job said. This is way back here in the Bible, right? Old Testament. This is what Job said. Job chapter 19, verse 25. He understood about the resurrection. He said, For I know that my Redeemer lives. And that's the heart. I know it. Do you know that Jesus lives today? Or is it just in your head? 
Or maybe it's just in the Bible. I know that my Redeemer lives. And that's the last. He will stand upon the earth. What's that? He'll not just come, but He'll come again. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, in other words, says Job, once I face death, yet in my flesh I shall see God. He understood the resurrection. Job knew that he would be resurrected one day and he would see his Redeemer with his own eyes. He says in verse 27, Whom I shall see for myself, my eyes shall behold him and not another's. I'm not going to see him through anyone else. I will see the risen Lord because he has resurrected me. Do you see where the resurrection touches you and I? We either turn away from Jesus Christ today or you believe Him and bow the knee to Him who is the living Lord. What will you do with the living Jesus Christ this morning? In 2018. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank You for the fact of the resurrection. Thank You that we have a living hope in You. And that we know that when we face death, in that twinkling of an eye, we will be made alive again and we will see Jesus Christ in front of us. What a glorious sight. And Lord, we know it's true because you went before us. You died, but you were resurrected on that third day. That grave is empty and they can search high and low, but no one will find the bones of Jesus Christ. He is alive and he is a soon-to-be returning king. Lord, we look forward to your coming again. But in the meantime, Lord, help us to live in the fact of the resurrection. Help us not to live lives which are as if you are dead, which are lifeless, which are joyless. Help us to live lives which are filled with the joy which your Spirit gives to us because you are filling us with the joy of the living Lord, Jesus Christ. Help us to live out that joy to our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues, those who do not yet know Jesus Christ. And may there still be a great reaping of a harvest on this earth before you return, because you live. Thank you for the hope to be found in you. Give us the strength to live lives of hope this week. We pray in the name of the mighty Jesus Christ, our living God, through the Spirit. Amen. God's people said, Amen. Let's stand and sing.